You're listening to the Teak Nation Podcast, where we strive to educate, inspire, and entertain you with tips and lessons from frauders and friends of TKE. Good day, Teak Nation Podcast Nation. It is so good to be back with you. It is Monday, June 28th. This episode of the Teak Nation podcast will be released on Wednesday, June 30th. Donnie, what are you working on, man? Well, excited about heading into the month of July. As you know, we've been doing a lot of work on staff training, but it is time, anyone listening to this, whether you're a volunteer, alumni, collegiate member, time to get focused. Yes, staff member, time to get focused for fall and hit the ground running. We got a, a lot of big plans and a lot of big work to do. So everybody who's taken, you know, the last 14, 15 months, obviously focused on personal health and, and areas in their own arena and are starting to engage in other, in other areas. We need you. We need your love, your passion, your energy, your resources, everything to move this thing forward. You know, what's funny to me is, well, a lot of stuff, specifically in this instance, when you tell someone you work for a fraternity, What's first? What's first thing they tell? What's first thing they bring up? I don't know that. Are we, are we having this conversation? Well, I'm going somewhere with it. Okay, because I, I went to a four year old's birthday party, which had a, a lot of parents, and I got to have this conversation. Oh, you're, this it's fresh. So it's, it's fresh. Yeah, this hits hard. So the first thing that, uh, for those of you who haven't been a part of this discussion, I know we have some former staff members amongst our listening audience as well. First thing that comes up when you tell someone you work for a fraternity is, oh, dude, I bet there's just cake parties in the office all the time. That's probably pretty fun, which is not the case. I've actually never seen a keg in this building. And if there has been one, I missed it. So that is misconception number one, that you just get used to answering the question and telling people like, no, this is actually just a job that we do, just like you do your job, pal. Uh, the second thing that I always get, and this is where I'm going with it, that has become maybe as annoying to me as the keg, uh, not as annoying, that keg thing's pretty annoying, is, oh, well, then you guys must just have the summers off when all the students are out, right? Like, you guys must not do anything over the summer. And I want to politely, can you politely strangle someone? Is that possible? I do um, not believe that's possible. I think that if you, if, if you do, it has to be aggressive. I think it has to be in that your is, mind. Otherwise, the, it could be a, a felony. Yes. That is, uh, for, those, for those listeners who maybe have felt that way, it is a complete misconception because the summer for us at this office is as busy, if not more so, than the fall or the winter or the spring. We spend the time between May 31st and August 1st really planning out our entire year and getting ourselves ready, getting the rest of the staff ready, getting the volunteers ready, getting the students ready to go have a successful recruitment, financial uh, financial situation, St. Jude, all of, all of the work that goes into getting those things done takes place in these two months. So all of that is to say, it's a very busy time for us and, and you know, I take a lot of pride in the fact that we do works. I mean, not that we would take the entire summer off, but it's coming in every day, working, finding new, uh, finding new twists on old tasks, finding innovative ways to solve problems. And I think that is really what I have, uh, what I've embraced throughout the last month that I'm looking forward to in July as well. Once, 
once August rolls around and the staff gets out on the road and starts visiting groups, it's yeah, becomes a little bit of autopilot because the work that you put in to put yourself in position for success has already been done. Well, and these summer, every summer, it seems is busier than the one before. And given where we were 12 months ago, that has only been further accentuated. You add in the the volunteer summer series, teak.org slash summer series. And the fact that we're having those events every Tuesday and Thursday, another misconception you probably uh, also feel some empathy toward is because we're not presenting on those, it's, oh, well, you know, you just presented on that one summer series. Well, it's a, it's an expectation of our team that we're still out there watching all those sessions, just like our volunteers are participating, so that we're educated on conversations that are happening, where pain points, where areas that we can continue to serve, where areas where we have underserved. So uh, I think that it's important for our folks as they're keeping that perspective both as volunteers and staff folks, the summer is, it, as you say, it's, it's much as in sports where you go through training camp, you go through all the work and effort that when you get to the game, that's actually the fun part. So this is this is that time to, to get as prepared as possible and be running into the new year. Yeah, I hope that uh, those, those listeners out there who do have a direct impact on groups, whether you are a student or a volunteer, or staff member do take the summer seriously and, and take it as an opportunity to reflect on the last year and prepare for the next year. Because if you, if you waste the summer, essentially, if you don't think about Teak for two straight months, it's not going to be a successful fall. It's just, we, we have evidence that shows that the groups who prepare over the summer, prepare with rush, prepare with officer retreats, with officer transitions in some cases are more successful. So the the summer is as much of a uh, a honey hole, so to speak, of, of work to get done as, as any other time throughout the course of the year. And to your point, we're about halfway through it now. So if you've been sitting waiting, Now's the time to uh, to jump up and, and start to really focus on what fall rush is going to look like, what the recruitment plan is, start building that names list. A lot of campuses, as we know, start providing lists of incoming freshmen to their chapters right around right now. Victor Casanova is out in, uh, out in Oregon this week at Oregon State working on them with recruitment because they're getting their freshman list on, I think, Wednesday. So a uh, huge opportunity there. And I just wanted to take a moment to make sure Teak Nation Podcast Nation did not believe that we were taking the full summer off outside of the occasional podcast recording, of course. Well, I'm not worried about that. I'm more worried about getting other folks to be working as many in this building are. We just, the amount of work and the amount of folks we need engaged right now, I I know that we need more. Anytime, right, I'm always the guy that's saying we need more, 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 but we definitely have folks out there that I think have not have not embraced the amount of work and energy that we need to put forward to make this happen. So it's all, it's all about love. If you love the fraternity, if you're, it matters a lot to you and those around you, they, they speak about how much they love it. Let's show it. Speaking of exciting fraternity related items, RLC dates are out. Everybody loves RLCs. You want to talk about love? Everybody loves RLCs. RLC dates and cities will be released on Wednesday. So when you listen to this, you have a chance to go, and get that information, put it on your calendar, start to prepare for a great weekend, no matter what city that's in, whether that's in Chicago, San Francisco, whether that's in New York, New Jersey area, or whether that's with our good friends down in Atlanta. 
Should we run through them real quick? I mean, we got nothing to lose. They're not they're not listening until Wednesday. Correct. Let's let's go for it. All right. February fourth uh, through February sixth, Atlanta. We are headed down south to kick off. Elmer and Donna Smith RLC. It's great. Elmer and Donna Smith RLC. Grand Hyatt Buckhead. Favorite property of yours, Frauder Aldrich. Great property. A lot of right. great things around that property. Yeah, including the Flying Biscuit, which cool. is a phenomenal breakfast. If you are listening in, breakfast. thinking, should I ever go to the Atlanta RLC? Go to Atlanta RLC, Flying Biscuit okay. Cafe, within walking distance of the hotel, just outside the door. You have to go to the RLC. Just go to the Flying Biscuit. Oh, well, come to the RLC. All right. Is, am I doing a good job promoting the, the regional leadership conferences? Let's go to the next one, see how you do on that one. The next one is Bay Area coming at you. San Francisco, February 11th through February 13th. We will be at the Hyatt Regency San Francisco Airport in Burlingame, technically. But that's a, we were there for the first time last year. It's a great property. We have got to get these folks out west fired up and come down. I know it's a longer trip for some of them than it is for folks in other parts of the country to get to these sites. Everything out west obviously is a little more spread out, but really would love to see a large contingency, especially from some of our, and we've got a lot of big chapters out West. So we'd love to see some large contingencies to engage and coach and have some fraternalism. Just really excited about that, that site out there in the, the Bay area, as you say. We haven't cracked 200 out West since the, uh, since the Vegas days. So that's, that's where I'm looking, looking at you, Kai, Beta Sigma, Alpha Gamma, all these groups with hundred plus guys, about Whitman. Get Whitman out there. Whitman's a small superpower out there that needs to show up and show out. We got two brand new colonies out west at Oregon State and San Diego State. See some numbers come in from there. Arizona. Yeah. Arizona's, you know, University of Arizona has has blown up over the last couple of years yeah. and being a colony towards a chartered group. Plus Bay, Bay Area is just lovely. Except, you know, don't except for that marine layer. You sure. always have to watch out for the marine layer. Don't forget about the marine layer. All right, moving forward, February 18th through February 20th, we will be in the Windy City, Chicago, Illinois. Once again, technically Rosemont, if you want if you want to get technical about it, but Chicago RLC back at the Hilton in Rosemont. That was our uh, property in 2019 for the first time. And we are excited to go back there. There's tons of fun stuff to do in Rosemont, actually. Uh, it's about 30 minutes to, to downtown Chicago, which isn't terrible. Uh, I Ubered down there last time we were in town, but good spot. Yeah, Chicago's a, the major city when it comes to those here in the Midwest. It will, no doubt, I'm sure you'll need a jacket for that RLC, but we will have a great time. And I know we typically have a phenomenal lineup of speakers, presenters. Again, just a great chance to roll up our sleeves and get to work. The Midwest Region 3, we're coming after you this year. We have got a lot of things we got to build up here in the Midwest. Some folks we got to shake loose from not, not COVID, the last two, three years of uh, tactics and, and work that we got to put in in a different way to get to our potential and get to our results. So I'm, I'm excited to see those folks here in the Midwest when we get to Chicago. And then we bring it home with everyone's favorite, well, my favorite, no offense to the other three RLCs, February 25th through the 27th at the Hyatt Regency on the Hudson in Jersey City, New Jersey, just a stone's throw away from lower Manhattan. You think you could rip a, rip a stone across the, uh, the Hudson? 
to get get across mm. there. A little that's a far. long. That's a long throw. I will say this: you love that RLC for two reasons. One, phenomenal hotel property. Two, Correct. big fan of New York City, and I know Correct. that we have uh, had that discussion before. So, yes, it will be great to be back in the Big Apple. Uh, phenomenal to get. You know, the, the great thing about the frauders in the Northeast, they bring passion, they bring energy, they are fired up the moment that they get on site and want to engage and talk and get to work and, you know, just ask questions, a lot of, a lot of great stuff and energy that I'm, that I'm looking forward to when it comes to that wrap up in New York city. And for those who travel in the circus, right. All, all month, site to site to site. I think that's a phenomenal wrap up. Cause if you don't come ready to go, those folks in the Northeast will take you to task. So everybody's got to be on their toes and ready to grind. And, and for those folks in that last one, by the time we get to that last event, you really have the RLC program focused in, you know, polished and ready to roll. So excited to put on a great show and a great event there in Jersey City. You think you could rip a six iron across the uh, across the Hudson there? I give you a six iron and a mat. How far do you think that is? I I, yeah, could I bet it's like a half mile. I bet there's no shot. There's no right. right. Yeah, I mean, goodness gracious, I'm only hitting a seven iron. You know, six iron is only going to go about 180. So yeah, well, maybe maybe 185 if you flush it. If, if you get downwind, I could probably get it up to two bills. But I mean, I right. I think that it's more than 200 yards across the old Hudson. I, I would I would agree with you. I don't think there's a well, maybe Bryson could do it, but I don't think there's many other. Uh, that's, I mean, that's that's probably a fun little Twitter segment or Instagram live for Bryson to, to try and rip a six iron across the Hudson. All right, we'll get there next episode. I'll reach out and see if he wants to put something together for us. Moving forward, a uh, little callback to last week, just, uh, just to check in on how things are going. NBA playoffs are going pretty – I mean, they're, they're pretty exciting. I, I was reading uh, – I think it was on Reddit – it's actually uh, it, an interesting long-form post about how the national media has failed so spectacularly and how they cover the NBA for the last 15 years that the only storyline they have is that there's no storylines, even though none of the final four teams have won a title in the last 50 years, right? Many of them never have won a title. You have this, this coming out party for DeAndre Ayton, for... Trey Young, yeah, Paul George trying to take the Clippers on his. I mean, there are storylines galore in the uh, in the NBA semifinals right now, and I'm enjoying it. Except for you know the 84 to 80 game with the uh, the Suns and the Clippers, that that wasn't super exciting, but it's been solid. I mean, we're we're feeling into feeling, a very very yeah, good feeling, playoffs. I'm feeling very confident in my picks at this point of Milwaukee and Phoenix. So this is great. Yeah, I would say that's uh, that's a high likelihood that those two are going to face off. And that should, I mean, I would think that would be a really good series. I don't think you go into that thinking that one team is uh, extremely well positioned in front of the other. We also, uh, we have failed to mention hockey on the Teak Nation podcast up to this point, which, you know, neither of us are big hockey guys. And so apologies to those who are, who listen. We do want to mention, though, the Stanley Cup Finals are set. The Tampa Bay Lightning, Zachary Scott's own Tampa Bay Lightning. Maybe we'll have to bring Zach in to talk about it sometime. Taking on the Montreal Canadiens in the Stanley Cup Finals. I think those start today or tomorrow. Soon. Don't you find it? Don't you find it amazing that Boston had a run where the Red Sox and the Bruins and the Celtics, like they had this run where Boston. And, and obviously the Patriots, where they were winning titles. Yeah. It was title town, right? And now that somehow has become Tampa Bay, Florida. Yeah. 
Yeah, I don't. I don't understand. Tampa, I mean, Tampa, Florida, but all these Tampa Bay teams. Yeah, yeah, no. I mean, even the Rays are solid, and yeah, they built. A, they built a, I mean, wherever Tom Brady goes, success just finds him. Yep. That must be what it is. The Tom. I do feel bad for Grand Council Member Rob Guarini to see his yeah. his Islanders go down. Huge Islanders fan. Also, the uh, Nassau Coliseum will now no longer be hosting the Islanders as they're moving to a new facility, I guess over by uh, Belmont. So from what I have heard. Would have been a pretty uh, pretty righteous close to the, the run of the Nassau Coliseum to get a Stanley yeah. Cup final, but wasn't meant to be. The uh, Lightning pounced can't on get, can't goal. Get the Lightning taking them down, yeah. Game, game seven, 1-0. Yeah, it's, uh, I, I get into hockey around around the playoffs. It is, if you get the right, uh, get the right atmosphere, if you get a full stadium, which I will say it, uh, I think the in, in Canada, COVID restrictions are still a little tighter. So there have only been like 2,500 fans at the uh, at the Canadians games, and just it doesn't feel right going to the Stanley Cup final with a with an empty arena. But I'm sure I'm sure there are plenty of fans who are not at the stadium that are enjoying it just the same. I know you uh, you're in the Aldrich household. The uh, the Euros are on TV pretty regularly and, and you become quite the soccer fan throughout the last few weeks. Any reflections on the Euro, the 2020 taking place in 2021 Euros? Yeah. If I would have brought on my seven, soon to be eight year old son, he could give you a phenomenal analysis. Unfortunately, it is not seeped to his father. So, him. right. So all I do and I do know is it appears that Italy, he talks about Italy a lot. So apparently they are still in it. <laughs> They're pretty good. Uh, doing he's a right. big he's a big Germany fan, which made Greg Roscoff happy and some others. So it appears that Germany is still in it, from my understanding. Germany and England play tomorrow. That's going to be yeah. He said that, and I didn't I, teams who could who could win the entire thing playing. Okay, England. all right, good. So this I have not completely fallen off in my uh, novice soccer knowledge because he said Germany played England, and I thought, wow, it seems awful early in this Euros yeah, 2020 right. that they're playing, because he named off Great he job. named off all these other other yeah. countries that are playing each other, and that makes no yeah. sense. No, it, it, it's frustrating to me. I'm a big Portugal fan, big Cristiano Ronaldo fan, and they played Belgium yesterday, and that's two of the top five teams in the world playing each other in the round of 16, and then you got uh, Denmark and Wales playing each other. You got the Czech Republic and the Netherlands playing each other. Denmark, Czech Republic is one of the quarterfinals, and you're going to have two of the four of England, Germany, Belgium, and Portugal not in the quarterfinals. I mean, I I, I understand how it works. It's based on your group stage record, and you know Portugal finished third in their group. Could have could have done better to not, and uh, they didn't. So you reap what you sow. But it is frustrating to see uh, see how that shook out all right we'll we'll get back to the euros next week don't you worry have you caught up on the bachelorette yet have you watched any episodes of the bachelorette i have not is there anything you want to share with the listeners because again this is another area where i can sit on the bench and watch i can confirm after last week's episode i know i speculated on last week's podcast and and after watching the episode that aired last week there are some guys that are not there for the right reasons and it's just, it's devastating for Katie. It's devastating for the viewers. You know, why would I invest myself in a show if you're not going to be there for the right reasons? It's a little frustrating, but I'm, 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 you know, I'm confident that Katie will find love 
At the end of it, we also have a, a retread coming in from Tasha's season, Blake. It seems like every year now, somebody who was on a season previously decides that they want to be a part of the current season and everyone gets pissed because they're just like, you had your chance, bro. And then there's, there's likely to be an altercation surrounding Blake's arrival this week. That airs tonight, so it will have aired by the time this podcast comes out. We'll talk about it next week. See what happens. Get yourself caught up. Let's move into the rule of three here. Uh, as we know, sometimes very intentional with the rule of three, sometimes not very intentional at all, and it, it's just something that popped up in my brain. This is a not intentional rule of three. Last week, we talked about favorite reality TV shows in conjunction, of course, with The Bachelorette. This week, I'm curious, Donnie, when you were a child, young little Donnie Aldridge growing up, what were your three favorite television shows as a kid? All right. So I thought about that. You're not talking about cartoons, right? Because I think we did cartoons. I thought we did cartoons before. No, I don't think we did cartoons. Okay. Well, there's something to... to, Like six and 12. Okay. So I wrote down, I have three, and then there's one that's on the edge. I I, I know that you get frustrated when we do rule of three and we add a four. Right, right, right. But so number one, Saved by the Bell. Oh, okay, good. Staple. Got to happen, right? Sure. Two, Full House. Mm. Yeah. A lot of Full House going on. My sister loved that show. And so definitely have seen a lot of Danny Tanner, Uncle Jesse. The whole gang. Dave. Yeah, the whole group. The Woodchuck. If you know what I'm talking about, got to get that woodchuck in. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Anyway, Ranger Joe. Third, Family Matters. Urkel. I mean, this is, you got to remember, we're back in the, we're talking about prime time, ABC. Thank God it's Friday. TGIF. Ripped off the TGIF line. Phenomenal programming going on there. So, and in that light, if I had a fourth that somehow tried to work its way in, a T3. Sure. Boy Meets World. Great show. Topanga, the crew. So you went, you went a little more uh, adolescent shows. I I did go uh, more well, on the car- what, you, what, what is your CSI CSI no, New York? I mean, I'm what- talking. I did cartoons. I didn't do like I'm not talking about you know when I was 19 years old. No, my uh, my my th- I was a big Rugrats guy. Rugrats was my favorite uh, cartoon as a as a child. Watched that for quite a while. Uh, hey Arnold, also on the list. I was big. So my wife and I have a, uh, a an ongoing debate because she was a Cartoon Network Disney kid and I was a Nickelodeon kid. So all of her favorite cartoons and children's shows I never watched and vice versa. And I mean, it's just one of many areas where we're not compatible at all. So um, it's, you know, it's an ongoing debate, but Nickelodeon was, was my, uh, my, you know, what, my, what was the, uh, what was the the thing that Carson said for the? Uh, yeah, I think you're trying to say it's your jam. That not that's not what I was trying to say. Um, and then lastly, all that I love some all that. Uh, just the whole the whole shtick of it. Amanda Bynes doing her thing. Keenan and Kel. I love Keenan and Kel the show, but they obviously got their start on all that. Uh, big all that fan. I, you know, I give a lot of credit to that for my, uh, my own personal comedic style as well. So had a, uh, a major, major influence on me and I don't have a fourth. I stuck with three. Let's get to our, uh, let's get to our interview. How's that sound? Anything else before we get to the interview? I'm excited to have Connor on the podcast. Why don't you tell the folks a little bit about Connor? 
Yeah, Connor is a senior at Merrimack College. We get into it a little bit when we get into the interview, but uh, this is our final interview in the Pride Month series. Not that we won't come back to the topic and ask other frauders to come in and, and share their stories, but with Pride Month coming to an end here at the end of June, um, Connor is a, a gay man, a frauder, uh, and a, a current undergraduate member. So we wanted to bring him in to get the perspective. We did the, uh, the panel last week of alumni and or two weeks ago, sorry, and wanted to uh, to bring in somebody who's living the college experience day in and day out. So we will go now to Connor Nickerson of the Sigma Kappa chapter. Connor, we really appreciate you hopping in here and uh, your willingness to, to talk with us and, and have a conversation today. No, thank you so much. Like when I got the email, I was like, ooh, yes, this is the best <laughs> moment. <laughs> Well, that's, that's good. I, I wonder how many people have that reaction when we ask them to do an interview for the podcast, but it's nice to, uh, nice to know there's one out there. <laughs> so Connor, I want to, I want to start, uh, want to start with your experience with Talk Cap Epsilon. So uh, PJ Malafrante, staff member, uh, sort of introduced us and said you'd be a great candidate to have this conversation. When he did that, he shared that you had a somewhat of a non-traditional TV experience in terms of when you joined and how you found your way into the fraternity. Can you share a little bit about that and, and what drew you to Teak when you got to America? Yeah, totally. So I think not just Teak itself, but my whole collegiate career has been a non-traditional. So I graduated high school in 2015 and I was supposed to go to a different college and I went for a week and I left. I was like, this isn't for me, I'm not ready. So then I went to a community college for three years. And then I started at Merrimack in the fall of 2019 at 22. And so even just starting off, I was like, okay, I'm at a four-year school now at 22, where everyone else starting off is like 18, 19, or in some cases, 17. And so I was there, didn't really know anyone because everyone I knew graduated already. And so I was there starting fresh, didn't have the best roommate situations. Like, okay, I got to find people, got to find something. And so I'm out and about, and I stumble upon some Saturday night festivities, and I somehow get in. I was walking over to someone, and I was like, hey, like, what, what year are you? And they're like, oh, I'm a freshman. I'm like, this is the senior apartments. I know I'm not supposed to be here. You're not supposed to be here. What are you doing here? He's like, oh, I'm thinking about rushing Teague. Like, what's a Teague? Like, never heard of it. Didn't even know Merrimack had Greek life. And so then I was talking to someone else who wasn't in the fraternity, but roomed with people there. Like, oh, here's the Instagram, message them. And I did. And so the next day or two after I met with Aaron Cochran, who was a senior at the time, and we talked Teak maybe for like 30 minutes, but then talked for another two hours afterwards. And I was like, okay, I'm vibing. I'm digging with this. Then I got to meet more of the guys and then started brushing. I'm, I'm curious as, and this is, you know, one of the reasons that, that we wanted to, to bring you in to get this perspective. As a member of the LGBTQ community, how have you felt that support from the fraternity? I'm I'm going to make the assumption that there, there may be some fraternities on campus where you wouldn't have felt as supported being yourself and, 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 and being, uh, being a part of the, the community that, that you are, but where, where did Teak elevate itself when it came time to make a decision to join? I think at first I was very much like, even when I was talking to Aaron, I was like, oh, like being like a gay person, I'm not, I don't really see it for Greek life. Like I don't ever see it really. And so I thought more about it and I was like, well, if I'm looking for representation and it's not there, why not be the representation for more people coming in or thinking about Greek life and kind of not turn the tides on what Greek life is? Because I know a lot of people have like the stereotypical, oh, it's just a bunch of guys being dudes. It's like, no, people have like real conversations. People have real emotions and things like that. And so I was like, 
don't look for the representation, be the representation. And so going through that, and especially last year when all the like social justice things were coming out in the midst of COVID, uh, Teak being one of, if not like one of the few that were like, oh no, Black Lives Matter, Queer Lives Matter. Like that was like, this is my fraternity. I made the right like choice when deciding on things. And I think the Greek life at Merrimack College is so different than traditional Greek life things to where it's very philanthropy. It's very brotherhood, sisterhood, and very welcoming of diversity. Like, yeah, you have those some people who are still very like ignorant or traditional in certain ways, but for the most part, having the base of the community being, we're all people who have Greek life in common. Let's build off of that from there. So I think the mixture of Teak and the mixture of the kind of Greek life culture that we've cultivated at Merrimack, I think that together really like set the stage of this is comfort. This is good. Absolutely. And Connor, when you when you joined the fraternity, obviously, as you said, you shared, you had a conversation before you joined. Did you share with the members of the chapter that you were part of the LGBTQ community? Or was that something as time moved on, you started to have that conversation with individual members? I always, it's interesting to me, you, you find some members who say, you know, I, I didn't share this part of me until I was in the fraternity for a year or two years. And other folks who say, I led with it. And so I'm curious, which which side you fall on and, and even more so why did you pick that path whichever path that was so i was straight from the get-go i was like hi i'm part of the lgbt community this is who i am hi because i think also coming into merrimack antique at the age of 22 i was like i know who i am and i don't have time for people who aren't gonna be accepting of that and so i think going into it i was like hi you say oh better man for a better world, all this other, let's see it. I'm, I'm a gay person. How do we go from here? And they stuck to it. They're like, you, we don't care. Like, we want to talk to you. Like, we want to hear like your stories and things like that. I was like, bet. Can you, can you, one piece you touched on there, Connor, that I love, can you share for those listening, especially any of our collegiate members out there, how important it is that aspect of knowing yourself and being comfortable with yourself because as you said at 22 it's a little different maturity level than 18 and I think all of us at 18 thought we still had the maturity level of someone 25 I get it (laughs) but how critical it is that aspect in finding your own confidence and self-belief which there's a thin line between confidence and arrogance right but finding Mm -hmm. that sense of yourself because I know as we interact with men all across Teak Nation and obviously you and your the guys in your chapter you have that same piece of you're, you're wanting to help people to find themselves and find that confidence because it really is critical. It obviously is important in this conversation that you had about yourself, but even for some of these other folks, it doesn't matter who you love to, to understand yourself and to get that aspect of, I know who I am and I know what my beliefs are and I'm willing to stand up for them. Yeah, definitely. I think, especially because I work with new students, part of the orientation for a Merrimack college and seeing these people kind of come in and really reassuring them is like, hi, what you believe now and who you are now will not be who you are after the next four, five, three years, however long you're here. And so I think going into it too, knowing who I was as a person, I still have times where I'm myself like, oh, like, well, what do I believe? What do I value? And having to reassure myself, but knowing who I am and figuring out, okay, let's help you figure out who you are. It's a journey. It's never going to be one day you're like, oh, this is exactly who I am. It's a journey. So kind of going upon yourself and having those conversations with people and yourself and kind of putting yourself out there to figure out who you are is so important. And that's why I like Teak because it's like a whole community of guys where it's like, hi, I'm having this experience. You may or may not have had the same experience, but you can kind of empathize or like stand in someone's shoes, but not be in someone's shoes. I want to I wanna back up. I think you dropped the first bet 
on the Teak Nation podcast. So uh, <laughs> congratulations there, the first that I've heard at least. Um, I'm glad you touched on on new student orientation. I wanted to I wanted to touch on that a little more because you are one of the student leaders on campus in bringing in new student orientation. And and I just I'm curious how your your experience start to finish your experience of going to college for a week and then leaving and then coming back when you're 22 and and joining Teak and and all of your life experiences. What drew you to being a being an active leader in this process, and I think you touched on it a little bit. But how has how have your experiences helped you bring new students onto campus and and help them find their own voice and their own their own way as they've been acclimated to college? So definitely a full disclosure: I did not go to my Merrimack orientation. <laughs> do you <laughs> tell like, do you tell the guys that, or do oh, you? Uh, yeah. Oh yeah, okay. I tell everyone. I just like I'm like, hi, I didn't go to mine, and now I'm in charge of it. So we're learning. Uh, <laughs> But I think because I went to one at my uh, first like collegiate institution, and then I went to another one because originally I was supposed to go, and I got deferred housing. So I went to a second one at that one, and then I went to community college, went orientation for that. So by the time I got to Merrimack, I was like, I know college, like thinking I'm like all that, like I know college, but no, you know the skeleton of a college, like yeah, it's gonna have like this office that, but you don't know the people, you don't know the culture. And so definitely going into Merrimack, not knowing any of that, it was a real like culture shock and like a real. Um, what the admissions office likes to call transfer shock, especially. And so kind of going into it, I was an orientation leader last year, and then I became an orientation coordinator this year. And my main goal is to help people who are like myself, who are the transfers or the people who don't really understand what college is. And to kind of be like, hi, like this is Merrimack, the best, it's so cheesy. I'm like, you need to get involved. This is a community and here's how you can and kind of directing people and helping people so they're not like wandering off and like figuring out things too late. I'm like, hey, I'm here for you. Use me as a resource and let's figure it out from here. As a as a whole, not just college experience, not just Teague experience, but how have you, how has your perspective changed in the last year on society and acceptance and with the social justice movements? You mentioned Black Lives Matter earlier as well. It's been a pretty wild year and we've talked about that with some of our other guests, but your perspective is very different than a lot of our listeners. It's very different than, than Donnie and I's. I'm curious how you think society as a whole has, has evolved. And then where are the, where are the spots that we still need to get better and, and grow to be more accepting, to be less judgmental, uh, be it, you know, on your campus up in the Northeast or, or in the country as a whole. Exactly. I think it's very interesting because you hear about all these stories across the nation and then there's me and my little, suburban Massachusetts, which is very like accepting and very like diverse in a sense. But there's some people who are listening or maybe a part of a different community that don't necessarily see the diversity or like experience it or hear people's firsthand accounts. So I think definitely talking to different people, that's really helped me and figure out other people's experiences. Cause me as like, yes, I'm gay, but I'm also still like a white male. I don't know a lot of other people's experiences. I will never live other people's experiences. So really getting those firsthand accounts or doing research into what other people's lives are like and going into that open-minded perspective is very eye-opening and can really like knock down some ignorance because there are people who not like intentionally going in certain ways or mindsets, but just the area or the culture or community that they were raised in or surrounded by just kind of adds this kind of ignorance. So it's not like a, oh, you're a bad person. It's, oh, you just don't know. And so I think definitely like that. And I'm also a big fan of representation. 
as we've talked about. And so I think definitely even just looking at Greek life, Greek life, even the media and everything that has such stereotype and such only hear about the bad and never really hear about the good. And it's never really representative in cinema or things like that of people of color, queer people, uh, non-binary people or things like that. And so whenever people hear Greek life, they hear, oh, like Animal House or American Pie. And it's like, no, there's different pockets of it. There's different cultures. There's different communities within Greek life. It's not just that. So kind of putting everything together, it's doing your research, meeting new people, talking to people, having the conversations that may make you uncomfortable, may may not make you look like the best person because there's only one way to go forward. And that's by learning and talking and being people with people. Connor, what are ways that you feel support as a member of the LGBTQ community? I know many times everyone wants to tell other people how we should be supporting you. As someone who's actually in the community, what are are the ways that you feel the most supported? I think definitely it was super cheesy. I remember last year when you first were doing like the Pride Month, like Teak Nation podcast, I literally was like, this is so cool. I literally was like, I'm going to listen to it the whole entire thing. And I literally said it to like some of my other brothers. I was like, you got to listen to this. Like they're telling a story. Like this is like a way to grow and hear about kind of like my experience. And now I'm on here telling my experience. So it's kind of like a full circle kind of excitement. But I think definitely, like I said earlier, Teak being like, hey, Black Lives Matter, Queer Lives Matter. That's like not a common thing for national organizations to be like, hi, this and stick to it versus the rainbow capitalism of Pride Month where it's like, hi, we're going to change our logo to a rainbow for a month and then forget about everyone else. I think what I've enjoyed about Teak is throughout the entire year, they're still like, yes, Black Lives Matter, Queer Lives Matter, you are just as important to our community and to communities around as non-white like or straight people. And so I think definitely Teak's in the right movement. I think going, carrying on that momentum and going through and continually having these kind of conversations and things like that that makes me feel supported. So it's like, oh, my national is trying. I know we were founded many, many, many years ago. And I think having that original non-discriminatory cause that started there and we're growing from there. It's really coming into the 21st century. And I think that's so cool. And so Teak being like, you matter. And I'm like, I matter. Like, well, I think, I think that's, I mean, that's really important to hear you say, because I don't know how much you track the social media activity at times that's going on and and individuals who aren't as comfortable with the posts about Pride Month or or Black History Month or or those things. And going back to a point you made earlier, I think a lot of it's just a loss of perspective. You're not involved with the people who would change that perspective. You're not running in the circles that would broaden your horizons a little bit. But the whole point of those, which I know Donnie has said and has gone on Facebook and told people directly is, we want to we want to show people that they do matter that that we are accepting that we value them as individuals we value them as members of the fraternity and so i think to hear you say that is is huge and my hope is that people listening who maybe hadn't felt that way or thought that way can change the perspective a little bit based on what you just shared yeah definitely i know there was for a year i was the public relations chair so i was in charge of our social media and i would like reshare the things from teak nation or other uh like Black Student Association or Gender Sexual Alliance from our own school. And people would be like, oh, you're pushing your agenda. I'm like, no, I'm showing what we value as a fraternity and the different causes that our fellow Merrimack College community is showing. And so kind of having that own, having taking my personal perspective, 
versus teak perspective versus their perspective and kind of balancing that all together. So I definitely know what you're talking about. Well, and one aspect that I share with folks, especially in the last 60, 90 days where it's been, uh, the traffic's been a little higher, you highlighted this. Our heritage is based upon us being welcoming. And when we put these posts or share these aspects, all we're doing is putting a welcome mat out front and putting a sign up and saying, you're welcome here. And I'm curious, how, how, what kind of impact does that have and how, I don't think the right word is sensitive. It's probably uh, how uh, thoughtful are you as you walk around in your town or look at what companies you want to engage, shop with, right? That you're looking to make sure you feel like you are welcome. Because for a lot of us, I will own, right? First for Alex and I, who are both white men with married with children, right? we feel welcome about everywhere. So we're not walking around looking and say, man, I wonder if I feel welcome walking in this door or engaging with like, no, of course, I, I feel like I'm welcome. So how does that, I just think it's important for folks to hear from you that that piece of walking around and worrying about if you're welcome. I think definitely like even looking at, like I talked about before, Saturday night festivities. Uh, like if I go to the festivities in the sense of parties, whatever, I'm always in my head like, okay, I won't have anyone to dance with. Cause one, just me, we now have a second member of the LGBTQ community in our fraternity who's rushing. And even like just me talking to other people, another person on our campus is like, oh, that seems like a good community. Maybe I'll think about joining. And so kind of already having that representation, but I'm getting sidetracked. I talk in a line, like a roller coaster. I think definitely going into it, like I said before, I didn't see any representation within our chapter. But then, and looking into Teak at its first, I was like, I don't, see myself but now looking at it two years later kind of not leading the charge but like on my campus of like hi i am i am the gay teak at merrimack right now there have been others in the past but this is me now and kind of being that not guiding light because that just sounds super conceited but kind of being like hi there is this is here and people kind of flocking to that and welcoming that and then going going hand in hand with what nationals has been doing of hi, we're welcoming of all and everything like that, it kind of makes me feel like, okay, here and looking at different things of, I need to look deeper into this and find out what is there. And if it's not there, what I can do. Yeah, I, I don't I don't think it sounds conceited at all. I don't think you, you give yourself enough credit because we need more, it is one thing and it is, we recognize again, given our experience, we haven't lived it firsthand, but through the, especially discussion we had a couple weeks ago with the, the panel, I'm not sure if you had a chance to listen to that, but with them sharing how, how it took a lot of them a long time just to come to terms with who they were, right? And then to be comfortable enough to share it with members of their fraternity or with their family, that in and of itself is a process. And I think the fact that, that you embrace it and say, this is who I am, right? And I want I want to make everyone feel like they can come here and, and be welcomed, whether you're whether you're white or black or, or straight or gay or whatever, you know, wherever you come from, whatever religion, financial background, this is who we are. I think that's a, you know, I wish every chapter had a guy like you or 10 guys like you, right, that were open and out front about who they were, whoever that is, and use that to, to make others feel welcome too. So I, I certainly don't think that that's conceded at all. And, and I'm, I'm thankful that you've taken on that role, at least on your campus and uh, hopefully have, I know the, the chapter's doing great. And I imagine that, that your role in that has been pretty significant. Well, thank you. What are you, Connor, what have you learned about yourself over the last year? We've had a lot of discussions about that. 
right? Knowing yourself and reflection in the pandemic obviously has forced us to have a lot of time with ourselves. So what have you learned about yourself that you're going to put to work and put into action as we kick off another, another academic year here soon? So I know one personally is I very, the way I like deal with my own emotions or like problems, I'm either very like, this is why I'm upset. Like very like, not aggressive with it, but very like, I'm going to tell you why I'm upset. You're going to know why I'm upset or I just carry it and sink. And so I think my own personal of how going forward is I need to talk to people be like, hi, I'm not okay. And here's why I'm not okay. I may not have the right words or anything, but kind of going to people and not worrying like, oh, they're going to think this or like, they're not going to know what to do because I don't know what to do. And just talking to the people around me who care about me and I care about and be like, hi, I'm not okay. And that definitely really happened through COVID was because I would be home by myself and just like, I would talk to my mom. She goes, oh, like, are you upset? And I'm like, I don't know. <laughs> I don't know if I'm upset. I don't know what to feel. And so kind of going through that and kind of being like, it's okay to not know how you're feeling or how you're doing, but going up to someone and be like, hi, I'm not okay. And I don't know what to do about it. So kind of doing that, I think as my personal one, I think definitely going forward in like a community standpoint of being more, not outspoken, but being like, hi, like, I don't think this is okay. Or kind of being like, hi, like what you said and not confronting people, but kind of having those conversations more of that's not the way things should be or how they could be. Well, Connor, I uh, can't thank you enough for your time for, for being open and, and honest with us and, and sharing. Um, last question for you is, is just, you have, you know, this is, you have a platform now and uh, our listeners are, are listening at this point and you're the one they're listening to. Do you have any message for Teak Nation? Anything that you want to share? Um, any, any final words of wisdom for those out there that are listening to the podcast? I think it sounds simpler than it is, but be kind. Uh, I know there's some days where even like I'm having a bad day and over, but like look for like the little bit of like light in the day or like the joy and be kind, hold that door for someone, like ask someone how their day is doing, talk to someone new, make a new friend. I like I said all the time, especially at orientation. And I'm like, okay, go make friends, which is just sounds so much easier than it actually is. But maybe talk to someone who has, differences than you talk about someone who may not be on the same part of the political spectrum than you kind of figure out other people's experiences and learn how you can grow from there i do think it's important before we button up the episode here he did say the word bet you mentioned that he said the word bet we probably have listeners that don't know what the word bet means so would you like to translate that for I'm any, gonna let, I'm for gonna any let. frauders who are out there <laughs> Who don't know what bet means. We didn't it. exactly I close that loop. I'm not positive that I know what it means. I know the proper context to say it. Connor, what way in here? So the way I use bet is like kind of like, okay, or like cool, or like just kind of like the period on the sentence where someone's like, hey, can you do this? I'm like bet, like right. on it. Yeah. Right. So it can also mean great or thank you. Yeah. Or yes. I agree or. This is important for some of our volunteer frauders who are out there. They're working with collegiates, right? And yeah. trying to decipher what it meant when they said X, Y, Z word. I find that to be the most uh, engaging aspect of this job year after year is trying to figure out how the language has changed. Because every year, as you know, there are 10 or 15 new words that mean something else. Oh, I go through that too. Literally being, see, we're learning. You're using. Um, we had the conversation and you took something from it. There you go. But I think also even be like, I'm going to be 24 in July 
and then the new incoming students I'm like what is that what does that mean so it doesn't it's like literally even just like a five-year difference I'm like what is that word yeah I'm a big no cap guy I just learned that one pretty pretty recently so that's I know it just mean it means like no it means no lie you know no cap you look great today uh, I know one of the orientation leaders, they like, they use no cap, but they go, no cap slap. I'm like, what? <laughs> like, wow. I'm like, what do you mean? Who is no, slap? Uh, yeah. Gosh, that's tough. Well, we're getting older. We're all getting older, we, I guess. It's, it's a <laughs> 24. It's a circle <laughs> of life because I have a two-year-old and I don't know half the time what he's saying. So it's, it's also relevant that I go to work with people that I don't know what they're saying. So every day is just trying to understand the language. Got to spend more time on urban dictionary. Of the country that I have. <laughs> My entire life, and yes, yeah, we'll get there. All right, Connor. Well, uh, appreciate the uh, the explanation. Uh, more than that, though, really do appreciate your time and, and energy you put into to this conversation. And certainly, think that you shared a lot of wisdom. And, and my hope is the listeners out there can pull some of their own nuggets, whether that's what that means or something more uh, meaningful and, and deliberate. So. Uh, we really do appreciate it. We appreciate you, appreciate your involvement in the fraternity and, and everything you're doing there at Merrimack and uh, wish you the, the best of luck with everything this year. Thank you very much. I'm also so thankful for the opportunity to be on here and to speak to my fellow frauders who I don't really ever get to see or talk to. So that's right. Well, just uh, shoot me an email whenever you want to hop back on. I just, it's a wide open invitation. Bet. Bet. Sounds good. <laughs> All, right. <laughs> All right, Connor. Thank you. Thank you. And we are very honored or we're very honored to, uh, to have Connor with us. Thought that was a, a really good discussion from somebody who uh, just knows who he is and, and embraces the, the positives and the negatives of, of life. And I think bringing Connor in sometime again in the future is a pretty good idea for the, uh, for the old Teen Nation podcast. That's the first time I had really spoken to him or met him. Had a really good experience there, Don. He is a very positive individual. It is hard to listen to his interview and not smile. Also, I like how every time he, at least the way he portrays it, whenever he walks up to someone or engages someone, he says, hi. You notice, you notice that throughout the interview. He said, hi. And then he would go into a, an aspect of the conversation. I feel like I don't say hi enough after listening to that interview. Oh, you, just, you just get right into it. Into I am definitely more of a get right to it person. Hmm. Well, it's two letters. Doesn't take you a long time to say. So, right, but it's rare that anyone just walks up and says hi and then moves into something. Right, typically, if you say hi, then you're bought into the how you doing, what's going on, how you feeling, how's your mama, right, all that good stuff. I had never never considered the impact that a simple hi could have on a conversation. I'll think more about it now. Hmm. Just hi, I appreciate you doing that. I was willing to uh, to change perspectives. All right, that's the show. Anything else? For our listeners, Donnie. Want to thank our listeners. I know, I know you're going to talk about it, but we've got to smash that like button. We got to promote on board here. Promote the podcast, highlight it to folks. You to be blessed by so many great interviews and are really excited to continue to share the gospel of all the good things that are going on in the fraternity. We are putting together some great A content here on the Teak Nation podcast, and we do need more individuals to come out and listen to it because. We're both putting 100% into it, and uh, I would really like to share it with more of the world. So go tell a friend about the Teak Nation podcast. Go smash the like button. 
subscribe, like, make the Teak Nation podcast your jam, no cap, do what you got to do to make sure that you are the very first to learn when a new episode of Teak Nation podcast drops. That's all for today. That's all for this week. We'll see you next time. Goodbye.